Hello and welcome to Beyond Survival, the new teacher podcast. My name is Jamie Tom. This is this week's episode of Teacher Talks, which is a 15-minute talk that explores some aspect of classroom practice with practical strategies for how to implement it in the classroom. In last week's talk, I looked at five questioning traps, the things we can stumble into as classroom teachers because questioning is such a frequent part of our practice. So I'd like to follow that this week with five effective questioning strategies, things that are based on research, are based on practical experience of observing fantastic lessons or teaching myself. So I'm going to start with one that's very, very simple, which is just about validation. And one of the key things we need to question when considering this aspect of effective questioning in the classroom is how can we recognise the participation we are getting from students? And how can we build on that? So what happens to those young idealists People like my uh, five-year-old who just ask endless questions as children, but then move their way through education and get to adolescence, being tentative and uncertain about volunteering answers. And there's lots of reasons for that, but there's a very obvious way in which we can encourage more classroom contribution. Very, very simply, it's about taking the time to validate the efforts of young people as they take the intimidating step in putting forward and offering their thoughts publicly. Doug Lemoff has a brilliant quotation on this, which I really, really like, which is, to raise your hand is a critical act that deserves some reflection. In a micro sense, every time students raise their hands, a mile post passes. And he finishes it by saying, to raise your hand is to mark the passage of an event worthy of action. So that volunteering of an answer requires motivation. It requires confidence in a classroom. And if we as teachers can recognise this effort positively and sincerely, then there's a kind of osmosis effect where students in the group will seek to share more of their own insights. The converse is explored by Brown and Wag in their research in 2001, which I mentioned last week. And they say, if children believe this teacher isn't interested in what they have to say, they will stop saying anything at all. So what are some phrases that we can use, some validation phrases that will encourage more participation and that will offer that feedback to young people to encourage them to remain curious in our classrooms. The danger is we slip into overpraise and we say, that's fantastic, that's outstanding. We slip into insincerity and young people can see that, can sniff that a mile off. So, what are some phrases that might help? Thank you to all of those who volunteered answers and thinking. There's some real thinking going on in this room. That's fantastic. It's really, really interesting. 
I'm really curious to hear a little bit more about that. There's been some brilliant and thoughtful reflections offered. And I think phrases like that, which have that edge of sincerity, enthusiasm, and are specific, can help to encourage more answers in a classroom. So that's the first point, to validate genuinely answers we get. The second is something I mentioned last week about wait time. And Mary Budrow coined this phrase in 1972 in her research. And as I mentioned last week, she, she found in her research that teachers conventionally only leave one second after asking a question. And she elaborated on this research in 1987, in which she said, if teachers can increase the average lengths of the pauses between student points up to three seconds or more, there are pronounced changes in the student use of language and logic. So if we can increase the time we leave after answering a question up to three seconds, brilliant. We're going to move beyond superficial answers to answers that have more depth. And that's not just after asking a question. There's, yes, there is our teacher question, where we pose a question and then we wait three to five seconds and make it clear to the students that we are waiting for them to encourage thinking. And we'll look at some phrases shortly. But then there's also during student responses. And we leave the time when students are talking to encourage them not to fall into that habit of interjecting, but letting them deepen that thinking. And then there's post-student response, where we slow down and we give other students in the room the opportunity to consider their response their classmates given. So rather than us offering feedback, we leave the time for other people to provide feedback. And I think this is a brilliant thing we should be modelling in the classroom. Modelling that pausing, that stopping, that we ourselves may need to take in order to gather our thoughts and consider how we want to explain something. So what are some phrases we can use here? We can say things like, I'd like to give you some time to consider that question. Think carefully about that idea for a moment. Let's give ourselves some time to pause and reflect on that. What are some of, the, some of our thinking on that response? It's really, really interesting. How could we build on that fantastic and really thoughtful idea? So, that's the second thing we can do. We can leave that wait time in order to deepen thinking in the room. The third point I'm going to call sensitive cold call. Now, cold call is obviously where we're looking for hands down in a room. But we ask a question and we nominate a student to respond to. And it's a brilliant technique. I've seen it work really, really well in classrooms. And when I've seen it working particularly effectively, it's done really, really sensitively. And in doing that, what we don't do is we don't pressurise some of our more reticent and introverted students into sharing thinking straight away 
they might not have had time to reflect on. So we balance cold call with the wait time we've just discussed a moment ago. We say to students, for this question, I'm going to ask for hands down. I'm going to get one or two people. I'm going to nominate one or two people to hear their thinking. A head teacher of mine once told me off for using the word, I'm going to pick on one or two people with its clearly quite negative connotations from picking on individuals. So I'm going to nominate some people. And then I'd love to see some hands up for additional answers in the room. Because again, to, to link back to the first point, we don't want to curb young people's enthusiasm for raising their hands and sharing their ideas. But we also have to encourage that idea of everybody thinking. And cold call is a really effective way to do that. So we use those phrases. We say, I'm going to give you a little bit of time to reflect. And then I'm going to nominate a few people in the room and hear your ideas. Another way to do that is we might get them to do some peer discussion first of all. Or we might get them to write down an answer first. Something that allows them to verbally or mentally rehearse what they're going to say before we ask them to share their answers. So cold call, yes, absolutely brilliant, but we can't do it in a way we just fire around a classroom without encouraging deep thinking and engagement with the question. And that links me on to my next point, which is about mass participation. So in the traps we talked about last week, the main issue we had was the idea that there were one or two students in the room who are contributing, who are running the show, and we've got a percentage of the class who have completely and utterly switched off their cognitive lamps. They're not engaged, they're daydreaming, they're all over the place, but that tiny percentage is giving everything. So in our questioning strategies, we want to move away from that. And we want that cognitive engagement from every single student in the room. So how do we arrive at that point? There's all kinds of ways we can achieve that. The first might be by using mini whiteboards. We might press probe a question, ask a question, and we might ask our students to spend 30 seconds jotting down an answer on a mini whiteboard, and then we'll have three, two, one, show me. Brilliant technique that Tom Sheridan talked about in one of the earlier episodes about making sure that everyone raises that whiteboard at the same time, and then we get a really interesting scan of the room and see what kind of answers might be around the classroom. And then we can share some brilliant ones, or we can share some misconceptions, and we can sensitively deconstruct and explore why we might need to think about them a little bit more. So there's many whiteboards, brilliant. There's peer discussion. So how can we encourage everyone to be participating and thinking and cognitively engaged? We say, you've got one minute. I'd like you to discuss that with your partner in as much detail as you can. And then I'll be cold calling three partners in the room to hear your thinking. And again, in terms of a behavior management thing, we want that peer discussion 
to be really have some kind of expectation of output so that they're not sick talking about some kind of football game or something else. We want that peer discussion to be structured, to be focused, and we can circulate at that point to make sure that that peer discussion is on task. And that's why we'll hear from a few different peers afterwards. I heard you guys over there having a brilliant conversation with some excellent ideas. Could you share that thinking with us? So that we get a chance for them to share it on a wider scale as well. Linking back to that first point about validation of effort. So when we're thinking about mass participation, we're really thinking, how are we getting everyone thinking in the classroom and everyone engaged? So the classroom is really alive with discussion and thinking and impetus around the question. So that gives me two minutes left to explore the final one which is probing. Now, if we're not careful, there can be an atmosphere in our rooms where students know that if they answer a question, anything they say will be accepted and indeed praised. But what we want is a more productive and more resilient classroom environment where we develop the conditions that thrive on probing. We want to cultivate challenge and establish higher parameters of what a quality verbal answer might look like. So rather than just first simply accepting a student's first answer, we can perhaps encourage them to rephrase or offer more to their answer. Or even another approach is we might bounce a response around the room. Let's see what we can add to that. And again, it's got to be really, really, really sensitively done. We'll look at some phrases for this in a second. And we can offer some encouragement. That's a great start, but not finality. There's always more that can be added and built on if it is an open-ended question. So that helps to build up that atmosphere of inquiry. Students have a kind of confidence to challenge their own and each other's thinking. So phrases, I've mentioned this one already. That's a really good start. How might we build on this further? What elements of that really interesting answer might we develop? Very simple one. Why do you think that is? Or we can open up for debate. Do we agree? Do we disagree with this point? Very simple. Can you say more? Can you explain that further? So you can make this more lighthearted. You can make it more competitive. You can just stop saying things like, oh, more or why, or evidence, really pushing them in the sense of what they can offer. And again, we can differentiate that really, really carefully as well. As we know our students, we can push them through additional questions we ask them. So let's run through those again. The first is about validation of answers to encourage more participation. The second is about wait time. Third, sensitive cold calling. The fourth, how do we encourage that mass participation? And finally, probing. So I hope those two weeks have been useful in terms of supporting how you use questioning in your own classroom. And if they have, as usual, I'd really appreciate it if you can pass 
this on to another teacher at the start of their career who might find these talks helpful. Okay, thank you so much. I've got a brilliant interview to share with you on Wednesday. I'll look forward to speaking with you then. Thank you.